It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot Casino. Let the spinning wheel go round and the night go on. Moments you'll never forget. You're always going to have fun. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest from Emerald Downs. It's mostly about Emerald Downs, but it's horse racing. Joe Withy, Vince Brune, and track announcer Bill Downs. You like that little adjective there, track announcer in there, Bill? Want to introduce you? Yeah, it's fine. It applies. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely truthful. There that's we go. Sure. That's no doubt about that. We're here, and thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest. Roy Brewer is going to be our guest today. Roy is part owner of Slew's Tiz Wiz. And yes, we know that uh, Carl and Darlene Craig, the estate of Carl Craig and his widow Darlene campaigned Slew's Tiz Wiz the last couple of years very successfully here at Emerald Downs. And Darlene's kind of getting out of it a little bit. They've got a few more yearlings to sell and they're probably going to do well like they did last year. But uh, the ownership group was split up, and Roy's going to tell us about that. Tom Wenzel's still the trainer, and I think we're going to see him under colors this weekend, Vince Brune. Yeah, we sure are, Joe. In fact, they just drew both stakes for Sunday, so I'll rattle those off okay. real quick. And we got actually 14 entered the Budweiser, which is the first stop on the road to the Long Acres Mile, the top 12 by earnings. Uh, drew in and from the rail out, we go with Zestful with uh, Alex Valdez. He's a multi hundred thousand dollar earner for Justin Evans. You're the cause for uh, we know from winning the uh, Muckleshoot Derby last year. Bridle up to the bar uh, has raced once here since coming from Arizona. Isaiah Enriquez, Luz Tiz Wiz, the defending mile champ with Jose Zanino, smiling goodbye. Louis Negron, it's all about the ride. Stakes winner here last year, Silvio Amador. Missed the boat, Kevin Radke. Aquatania, excuse me, Aquatania arrival. Amadeo Perez will come down from Canada for trainer Barbara Heads. Prayer of Jabez, Carlos Montavo. A man's man. This horse won five in a row last year, including the Bulldog at uh, Fresno. Uh, earned $192,000 last year. A man's man, Alex Cruz up. Coastal Kid. Get look who's back in town, Rocco Bowen. Mm is going to be riding the weekend here and rounding out the field coastal jazz with uh kevin orosco that's the budweiser goes as race eight going as race six the hastings this is for phillies and mares three and up six furlongs number one daffodil sweet we know well around here uh multiple stakes winner uh makes its first start i believe for marshall allen kevin radke up slack tide three time stakes winner emerald downs with louis negron zit I always say this name wrong. Zazen? Zazen. I think it's Zazen. Zazen, Zazen with Rocco Bowen up. Blazing Bella Blue has been a champion in this state. Alex Cruz, silver, Silvery Orb, a very uh, promising young horse, four-year-old for uh, Tom Wenzel, Jose Zanino riding. You Go Girl, Kevin Orozco, 
Let's declare peace coming off a very sharp win, Isaiah Enriquez, and because she's a lady on the outside with Silvio Amador. So we got 12 in the bud and 8 in the Hastings. Very good. Okay. That is a look at some great stakes action. We're going to run 12 in the Budweiser. That looks like uh, 14 entered and only 12 can run. So that's uh, some nice excitement for Sunday. And it is another three-day week at Emerald Downs. Friday's first race at 7 p.m. Seven races on Friday nights we're going to do. We got the start of the $1,000 horseshoe toss. So sign up for that. Still haven't thrown a ringer as one of our fans in quite a while. So again, we're due for a ringer in the horseshoe toss. Uh, it's grandparents weekend at Emerald Downs and grandparents get in for free on Sunday and we're going to have a grandparents race as well. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> uh, a new one. And just, uh, you know, all you got to do is show uh, uh, DNA. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, all you have to do is say you're a grandparent and uh, you don't have to show, you know, a fo team photo or anything or any uh, birth certificates. Well, I would hope that, you know, let's see. Well, how 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 young can you be to be a grandparent? Um, I guess you could be like 48 or yeah. something. Maybe to... that's that's a number I heard in the office, maybe even 45. Somebody knows yeah, a grandparent yeah. that's 45. So. Yeah. I suppose we're going to have a couple capable runners out there during the grandparents' Ad, race. Advantage, advantage, uh, to because I know I, I I don't get across the ground as quickly as I used to when I was no. uh, thirty five. So, uh, but we'll, we'll see. I think the effort will be the most important thing. If we got some uh, some older uh, people that want to go on the track and run in front of everybody, that would that would be good enough for me. And uh, Dean Mazuka is going to be there at the finish line to, uh, you know, slow the, the old timers down a little bit so they don't run into the clubhouse turn like the kids did in the kids race. And by the way, the kids all got an ice cream in the yeah. park after the race. What are we giving the adults? Either Brandy? an ice cream Brandy? or an ice pack. Or, or, or yeah, ice, ice pack, yeah. <laughs> ice cream or ice pack. Or a shot of the whiskey <laughs> or something. Yeah, so grandparents race, that, that's a new one on Sunday here at Emerald Downs. Uh, no racing on Friday, June 30th, a uh, week from this Friday, June 30th, the last day of June. No racing that night. Remember that because we're going to go Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, Monday, of course, July 3rd, our fireworks spectacular. First race at 5 p.m. Uh, there's still some tickets available at emeralddowns.com for the 3rd of July fireworks spectacular. Saw the, the, uh, the guys in yesterday and uh they assure us it's going to be a greatest show as ever which really good low level fireworks show we call them low level but uh they're really nice so we're going to have one on july 3rd again after racing first race at 5 p.m on the third monday and uh hey we had the uh indian relay races last week the muckle shoot gold cup we had a little bit of a wet track friday night no problems uh, everything went pretty darn good. And Two Medicine won the cup. They're from Browning, Montana. And it was pretty dramatic finish as those exchanges are so key. As, uh, you know, we do mention that. And it is true. You got to get out, get out, and get back going. Two Medicine won it. Cody Carlson was the rider. We've had seven different uh, relay teams win in since 2016 here at Emerald Downs, Two Medicine wins the first time. And 
By the way, fellas, Sunday I'm sitting sitting down there. Well, I was in the paddock for the first race and felt like two raindrops, but it was dark. It was very dark clouds. It was breezy. And I get up to the set there and I'm looking out and there's just a lot of people out on the apron, as you guys know. And then I looked underneath the cover where I am and there was just a whole lot of people there. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if it rains, where's everybody going to put themselves but it didn't. So we got through that. We got lucky. So that was a little rise to a, not a big ending there, but it was, it was a good ending, a good crowd at Emerald Downs on Father's Sunday. Day crowd. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Vince, Rocco Bowen's coming to town. You mentioned that uh, this week to ride. He just started back. He had a, a an injury, what, uh, several months ago. Yeah, at Oakland Park where he was riding uh, this uh, winter. And uh, yeah, and he had that gate mishap. He was visiting here about a month ago, and we caught up with him a little bit. He started back at Prescott recently. But these are his old stomping grounds, uh, three-time champs, yeah. 2016, 17, and 18. And, of course, that win in the mile in 2021 that uh, Mike Puich promised us would be emotional, and it certainly was with yeah. uh, with Rocco. And uh, Rocco rides hard, and he rides to win, and he's riding Coastal Kid in the uh, – the Budweiser and he's riding the cards Saturday and Sunday. So Rocco's, be he's great. got his fans here and uh, bet. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. It'll be great to see him. He was going to ride last year's mile on background, but as you remember, he was here the week before the mile yeah. and he picked up a mount in the 10th race on a lower level claiming horse. He ran, rode that, went back to Presque Isle and I think he got hurt on Monday. Or, yeah, yep. he did. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And and rough, a rough year or so. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't ride the mile last year on background, but uh, he did get that victory, as Vince said, a pretty emotional scene as uh, he came back to the you know, track that kind of got him going. He's one of those guys when he's on the racetrack, I don't, you kind of know it. He has a has that nose for being in the thick of things, no matter what horse he's on, and uh, he rides hard, and uh, he rides to win, and it, it, yeah, it's fun to see him uh, come back and... Uh, can't say enough about that field for the Budweiser. Oh, man. There's a lot of different ways you can go handicapping that one, you know, and we're working on the line later today, and I'm <laughs> mulling over some numbers. It's going to be tough because there's horses coming from everywhere, you know, and Justin Evans has one in there, and that'll attract money. You got the defending mild champ. It's just all kinds of good stuff. So if you, I mean, a horse like Smiling Goodbye, who's coming off a great win, oh. is going to be a, a nice price, you know, yeah, what if you like something like that. Yeah, there's some I haven't got a chance to look at those PPs yet, so no picks for me on that one. But we'll make some selections, and and Bill's looked at it a little bit. But let's uh, that's that's great for this weekend. Two stakes races. We had our first two stakes of the season last Sunday: the Seattle and the Auburn. And uh, guys, uh, the track was glib, and we had two stakes records. Yeah, uh, Clovis Connection was a big favorite, and he showed his class. He, you know. He was in the one hole that kind of forced their hand a little bit, and Kevin Radke gave a smart ride that was open up there, and he went up there, and uh, he just powered home. I think he got an 80 buyer, and it was 107 and change. Yeah. And, you know, Lloyd's Logic ran a really good race off the bench to chase him home. He was clearly second best. So talking the other day, you know, as the distances go longer, maybe the tables turn a little bit between those two or they become a little more equal. I don't know. You know, Clovis Connection has routed before pretty well. So, but I certainly think Lloyd's logic is going to move up off that race. But that was, that was uh, some quality 
couple of real quality horses there. I think so. They were well out in front of everybody else. Bill? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with Vince. Uh, Lloyd's logic, once we go two turns, we'll improve. We, and, but Clovis Connection's no slouch. It's not like he's a he's a, a sprinter through and through. And that that's going to make for an interesting rivalry. I, I'm guessing these two met, meet up uh, more, more than once uh, during our meet. And then in the Philly race, you know, uh, 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 Aloha did what she was expected yeah. to do. And uh, she's really good and she's really fast. The only question with her, what do you guys think once we get around two turns with her? Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, she's by the factor out of a New Year's Day mare. Um, you know, it's yeah. not the worst breeding in the world not for at two all. turns. So. Not at all. But Aloha Breeze has just gotten so much better. Uh, and she was pretty good as a, as a two-year-old. But her three-year-old, the, both these races have been the, some of the most impressive that I've seen. I think Clovis Connection, though, takes the cake as the most impressive winner of, of the meet. That was, that was something else. Oh, you know, um, I, I, but I would put Aloha Breeze's two wins, probably second and third, as the most impressive winners that I've seen uh, at, at the well, meet. So. We we had another impressive winner last weekend, and that's Tax Code. You yeah, know, looking for racing room around the turn and inside, and boy, did he power home. Yeah, you know, in one oh seven and change lay. I know the track was fast and all that. It, those like buyers, he got an eighty two. And everyone is going up, up, up yeah. with him. He's and, in my, uh, yeah, for no doubt. I mean, he's got a higher buyer. I'm just, you know, he had some traffic. He's gotten better and better with each and every race. Yeah, he hasn't run the stakes here. yet, but great training job by Shelly Crow and with uh, Sharon Ross managing uh, that uh, for uh, Mischief Racing for Vicki Wilson. Uh, Sharon's been around many good horses in her life. I, I'm anxious to see once, you know, we sort it out in the stakes company and see where that horse could stack up with these. But I think he's pretty good. He's, he's good. That. He's yeah. real good. Son of Spitestown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another comment on Aloha Breeze. Uh, you know, Tom Wenzel's got a, a filly with talent, but uh, she was expected to perform real well Sunday. And wow, did yeah, she ever. Yeah, that's pressure you know, when yeah, everyone's looking at you. And she just blitzed her field again. Boy, Uh but uh, she didn't seem, you know, uh, all that untractable and rateable last year. So I'm thinking, you know, she she's uh, there's not going to be a big roadblock for her going two turns. Shelly Crow, you mentioned five for ten at the meet, two wins by tax code. So fifty percent for Shelly. A couple other fifty percent trainers, Tim McKenna and Debbie Perry, are both three for six. But Justin Evans with a big lead and. Uh, Okay, his percentage isn't bad either, 37%. Well, and speaking of trainers, your trainer, Joe, we'll go to the yeah. weekly honors here real quick. Our jockey, Alexis Valdez, a special honor to Neptali Ortiz, got two wins, his first two at Emerald Downs. In a lot of weeks, he would have gotten jockey week, but Alexis Valdez is off to a great start, hadn't won it, so we gave it to him. Steve Bullock, you know, Joe, your trainer has won races on four straight cards. And, yeah, and uh, he's he's going great guns at the meet, and uh, is and Uncle you, Pete is uh, Friday night. Well, right? they scratched and re-entered for Saturday. Oh, okay. So he had a good shot to make it five in a row. He did. And, you know, he called me yesterday. I'm 25 percent owner of yeah. Uncle Pete. And he goes, "What are we? In, what should we do here?" I go, "Well, we always said he's kind of an even runner. We like to see him go two turns." He goes, "Yeah, I know, but you know, <laughs> you know." He didn't say, "Hey, I got this streak going," but. He goes, one of the other owners doesn't really like staying out late, so uh, <laughs> we don't want to run him. He doesn't like he doesn't like running on Friday nights. I go, yeah, oh, well, we can't goodness, we man. can't go off that one the rest of our career. But uh, 
So that was a decision, run for 25,000, go on a mile, or 15,000 in a sprint. And um, he decided to go for the mile. So um, we're on Saturday for Uncle Pete. Yeah, I like him in there because okay. you, 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 you mentioned, a, well, yeah, you mentioned, Joe, that you think that the horse will get two turns. And I did a little, uh, you know, I'm sure you did this when you, when you got involved with uh, buying the horse, but the damn one going along, yep. there's a couple of siblings that also won going along. Uh, so there's some, some pedigree power there uh, on the damn side for uncle Pete, at least to, to, to like uh, uh, going a mile in his first time doing it. That's what John Lindley's been saying. Didn't, didn't Irene's bonus. Yeah. She won the Shinpo and she's nine for nine other than uncle Pete uh, starters and winners. So he's got to join his siblings there and be a winner. Yeah. You guys have a good shot in that race on Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. That's a Saturday first race Saturday. We're going to be going to Saturday evenings here pretty soon too. uh, 5 PM post time on Saturdays, but for this week and next week, we'll be starting at, uh, uh, two o'clock yeah and our owner dr george Tadaro, he had a stakes win of course we were talking about aloha breeze and then a second uh with lloyd's logic so uh dr Tadaro doing great with his racing manager bob capaletti they're they look like they're gonna have a great meet again the washington bread miss bella uh bred by uh mr and mrs william t griffin racing for blaine wright and the mary anski she had a very sharp win in the feature on Saturday and our quarter shoot groom cafe groom of the week, Ishmael Fernandez, you know, Blaine Wright. I asked him for a groom. He says, you know, I got four and they all won a race last really? week, but he said, let's give it a Ismail Fernandez. So he's our groom of the week. So Blaine's had two big weeks last week. And then, uh, the first three days he didn't, he had the four bagger on our second Sunday. Yeah, that's right. He had a four win day. So and he's closing in on a career milestone. He is at nine ninety six as we begin. Nine hundred and ninety six wins for Blaine Wright. We gotta keep an eye on the Pleasanton entries because of course Blaine also runs horses in California. And uh leading sires, I did a little quick work on that. I got Harbor the Gold and a Barrage with five. That is correct. Each. They both have five. Uh-huh. Stanford updated with... is up on emeralddowns.com. Okay. And I just posted here a little while ago. So Vince does that. News and notes. News and notes are up. Awesome. Yeah. Some great info there. Go to emeralddowns.com, click on news and notes, and uh, you'll get a great last week recap and uh, season numbers as well. And again, trip notes are uh, available at emeralddowns.com, done by John Lindley. They're updated. It's some just some real good handicapping uh aids there the trip notes on horses runs here at emerald downs easy to access free to access at our website okay so we talked about sunday's card it's going to be a good one two stakes again and rocco bowen back in town and just a general comment on the jockey standings too uh, luis negron continues to win but uh alex cruz kevin radke right in there and so, Boy, these other guys, you know, Almador, uh, Valdez, Montalvo, all being, uh, they're 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 doing well. They really so are. It, there's a lot of depth uh, to the calling this year, and Montalvo's walked into a real nice situation there with uh, Aloha Breeze. Yeah, yes. Okay, we're going to come back with uh, Roy Brewer on Horse Racing Northwest, and our final segment we'll be talking more uh, selections and. Uh, sports shorts and trivia as well. So stay with us here. It's Horse Racing Northwest. Buckle shoe? 
It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot Casino. Let the spinning wheel go round and the night go on. Moments you'll never forget. You're always going to have fun. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. 16th to go. Moment of truth time for Papa's Golden Boy. Papa's Golden Boy has a lead by four. Slews, tis, whiz. Now angles to the outside second. And then it's top executive, five-star general Majestic Eagle. 16th to go. It's Slews, tis, whiz, who sweeps on by. Slews, tis, whiz in the Long Acres Mile. That was Bill Downs' first call of the Long Acres Mile last August here at Emerald Downs. Slews, tis, whiz, the first Washington bred to win the race since Stryker PhDs back to back. And what a great day for the whole connections, the whole group, Carl and Darlene Craig, the breeders and owners, and of course the late Carl Craig, Tom Wenzel trainer, and Jose Zanino got his first Long Acres Mile. Joining us, on Horse Racing Northwest is a guy pretty close to that whole situation, horse owner Roy Brewer. Roy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hey, good to have you on, Roy. Uh, you know, that uh, had to be a little bit of an emotional day, a lot of an emotional day, as uh, Carl bred that horse, the late Carl Craig, who you got to know pretty darn well over the last 20 years or so. Yeah, I met Carl in, well, it's been a, probably exactly 20 years, in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, I had uh, been doing my own kind of research, handicap and, and uh, pedigree research, and I wrote a couple articles for the Washington Thoroughbred. And uh, Carl read those and uh, called the office and wanted to know if they had the number to the guy that wrote the article. And so he called me, and we talked for a little bit, and he wanted to know if I'd do some research on his broodmares for him, and I, I agreed to do that, and, and that just blossomed into a, a absolute friendship over the last 20 years. Yeah, um, and more about that, but uh, we made a trip up to Carl's uh, homestead up there on Whidbey Island. Darlene's still living there, of course, and... and uh, the rest of the family pretty close by, but just uh, getting a firsthand look at all that Carl uh, developed, built, uh, created, you know, just his concepts, bringing them to fruition. This guy did not let the sun set or the grass grow around him without getting a lot done each day, it seems, Roy. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you're right. Very inventive. You saw some of the things that were up there and probably didn't notice some of the things that he had put together yeah. and the way he feeds the horses, the way he vents the roofs on his barns, uh, the boat that he built. You saw that mm -hmm. the equisizer that he built that was run hydraulically, didn't make any noise. It moved four horses at a time and at a, at a gallop, if, even if they wanted it, the way they, they unloaded. I mean, he just put, every thought and you know all, all kinds of thought into every detail it just it, it amazes me to this day the, the stuff that he was able to and he assembled that uh, equisizer by the way by himself i mean he had some help from his engineering guys but uh, the, the stuff
structure and the framing it. He did all that work himself. I saw pictures of it. Real unique guy. Carl Craig passed yep. away uh, a couple years ago and uh, wasn't there for his homebred sluice to his whiz to win the mile, but uh, the rest of the family and uh, Roy, very close. Uh, he, he loved to talk breeding as well, and he made a science out of that. Uh, and what about his successes over the years? Uh, I've got a list here, but you're certainly close to that whole thing, Roy. Um, he just... Uh, Where'd he get the time to do all this stuff? Well, I think, you know, he, he was supposed to be retired from the business, but he still had an office. He had a paving and road construction business up there on the island. And I think he was there by name only. And I think he was actually doing most of his homework or what he was supposed to be doing for the business there in his office studying pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anyway, um, and uh, I know that his office in Phoenix, he had a home in Phoenix also, because you know he likes to run at Arizona and Sir Paradise, and um, and same thing, he had everything set up there just like he had at home. And he, uh, matter of fact, uh, I've stayed at his house a few times down there, and we spent many a days looking at uh, pedigrees on his computer and and uh, uh, thinking about what could be down the road. So yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun because I, I had that desire and passion too didn't have quite the money he did to, to invest in it but uh it was a lot of fun working with him and come up with some pretty good what we thought were some pretty good crosses and many of those didn't work out too well and, and a few of them did and, yeah the percentage um, of the ones that did was pretty high and he was vince uh has been at the all the wtboa banquets as well he was let's face it he was a highlight of the banquet and so many times he was on stage accepting for breeding and racing and or racing champions well, and the, the joy that came out of him when he got to talk about his champ. Well, and the joy that came out of him, but also when you think about him, you know, he ran a pretty relatively small yes. operation in the state and the amount of times that he was up on that stage, you know, accepting awards for great achievements by horses that he bred and owned was remarkable. Yeah, Vince is, does the research uh, mm. for the Hall of Fame ballot, and boy, the accomplishments for just over the last 20 years have just been tremendous. And Roy, uh, you've got a story about uh, one of the first times you and Carl were really uh, looking to buy, and you went back to Keeneland one year. Tell us about that. Yeah, we were, my uh, my wife and I, we pinhooked for a while, and we were going to Kentucky and uh, we didn't have a lot of money. So we would go to the breeder stock sale in, in January and, and pick out uh, a couple, three yearlings and, and uh, bring them back here and pin hook them in the Washington sale. So uh, Carl found out that we were going back there and, and he was too busy to, to make the trip, but uh, he wanted to stay in tune. So he of course was watching the sale on the, uh, on his computer in the office and, um, it was like every 10 minutes he's calling me on the phone um, asking me if I'd looked at this hip or what I thought about that hip and this and that and that and this and this just went on for the week that we were there. So I get home and uh, I get my mail and in the mail a couple weeks later is my cell phone bill. Well, this is back in the days when you couldn't just call everywhere. There was sight trunking everywhere, and you had to go through all the towers and stuff across the United States to get the signal to reach. And I get my bill from a cell phone company, and it's over eight hundred dollars. <laughs> and it's all of all the bill, all the 
big calls are from Carl yeah. to me. And uh, I mentioned to him on the phone, I said, Carl, next year when we go, when Tammy and I go to Kentucky, uh, you're going with me because I can't afford the phone <laughs> bill. Right. But I told you that three days later, there was a check in the mail for $800. Yeah. I tried to give it back to him, but he wouldn't take it. And, um, the next year, a matter of fact, the next three years, him and Darlene went with us to Kentucky and that just uh, set the friendship even even deeper. We just had such a great time back there. We got to tour all the farms. We hired uh, Terry Bays, who was uh, a daughter of Mervyn, uh, Roberta Lecby, um, and she knew quite a few people back there. And we, she, we hired her uh, as our own tour guide. She took us to all the big farms. And, yeah, we just had a wonderful time back there every year that we went back there. That's great. Yeah, and well, last year you mentioned Roy with the training started. We, I met you in the cafe, and you told me about the little bit of the ownership change this year with with Darlene getting out, and we're used to seeing Slews Tiz Whiz with Katie Thoroughbreds. Now it's called Slews Crew Racing. You want to tell us who composes that group, Roy? And I, I think you said, well, we'll see the horse in the same familiar silks this year. True. And uh, so what happens at the end of the year, um, Darlene's having some problems getting around and uh, um, and it takes quite a bit out of her to go get down to the track. And so she told me at the end of the year, there wasn't a better way to end it. You know, that Lou really, you know, put the icing on the cake uh, far more than he than we ever imagined. And, and so she said enough. And so we, you know, we had, um, don't kiss and tell had won a stake and Lou had won on the same day. So they won two stakes on the same day. Then she wins the mile. And so she just said, I, I, this is the, the way to end it, I think. And so, um, she's got a lease agreement with Mary Lou, uh, Griffin with don't kiss and tell. And she's in Kentucky getting bred to, uh, or has been bred, I'm sure to, uh, uh sharp Azteca. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's probably looking for a ride home. The maiden that broke his uh, maiden on the last day of the year, they sold him as an event horse. Um, and then uh, I asked her what she wanted to do with Slu, and I said, you know, he's probably worth quite a bit of money. And she says, well, Roy, I don't really want to sell him to anybody but you and Tammy. And I said, oh, I'd love to do that, but he's worth quite a bit of money. And I said, and the, the other thing is it costs quite a bit of money to put a horse in training. I said, how about I talk to some of the people that have helped you and Carl through the years and see if they want to partner up with me? And uh, maybe we can do something like that. And so I talked to Tom, and and I'm sure he talked to Melissa, and I talked to Mary Lou and Terry, and then the gal, the manager at um, Darlene's Farm, uh, Jody Snyder, and talked to her and her husband. And we decided, yeah, we all want a shot at, at the horse. So I went back to Darlene and said, here's who we'd like to partner with. And she was in total agreement with that. We worked out a price, and so now we've um, – we now own the horse, uh, yeah. and interestingly enough, about a month after we made the deal, uh, Darlene's daughter called me, Carlene, and said, hey, I think I got a, a name for your your stable. How about Slew's Crew Racing? And I said, hey, that works for me, and I asked everybody in the in the group, and they all agreed, so here we are. Slew's Crew Racing in Sunday, and the Budweiser... Um, among 12 runners, and of course, he'll be getting a lot of uh, looks and attention after a Longacres mile-winning season, a state championship here in Washington. Slew's Tiz Wiz was tremendous last year, and uh, 
He works real early. I haven't seen him work yet this year, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tom and, and you guys get him out early. How's he been training, Roy? Uh, he's coming right along. That last workout we were really pleased with, as you can imagine, and uh, we think he's ready to go. Yeah, I was going to mention, you know, that was 109 and 4 from the gate on June 16th. The one before that, 58 and 3 breezing for five furlongs, 47 and 4 for a half, 35 flat breezing. These are brilliantly fast work times, but yet in his races, he we all know we saw from the mile, he's kind of a come from behind horse. So it's kind of interesting how fast he works in the morning, Roy. Well, I, I'll tell you what, he really wintered well. Um, Jody actually had took care of him through the winter, and and uh, when she brought him down to the track, he really looked fit and um, had a pr- pretty good shine to his coat at that point. So we we weren't too far off when we started with him, and and uh, we're all surprised by it because the last couple of years he really hasn't worked all that fast. Hmm. Um, but this year he's he's got to hold a bit, and he wants to go. Matter of fact, this last workout when I told Jose, because Jose rode him in the gate, gate workout. Uh, when I told him the time, he said no. And so then Tom, and we got exactly what the clockers did. Hmm. Uh, all of us did. And, and so Tom showed him the stopwatch, and, and Jose actually apologized to us. <laughs> I didn't know we were going that fast. Well, yeah. It looked pretty easy, though. Was that workout solo or in company? Yeah, it was solo. Wow. What was his last race last year? Was he in that allowance, the top executive, Nick Nipped Papa's uh, golden boy? No, he was in the tribal classic. Where... Uh, we were in the classic. We stumbled at the start. I think it cost us the race. I mean, his first start last oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. He was in the top executive. Top, that's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he ran in the, in the Budweiser, and Papa's golden boy, of course, a super good sprinter. But then after that, uh, Sluice Tiz Wiz took over. And... Uh, you know, uh, well, you know, we go ahead, Roy. We put him, we put him in that allowance. We tried, we wanted to get him away from the big boys. Mm-hmm. He's a four-year-old, and he had a good three-year-old year. And we, can he run with the big boys or not? We still were pretty unsure. Like you said, he was seven lengths behind in the allowance race that uh, Papa's Golden Boy won. Then we put him in the stakes, and he got a little closer, but he still got beat five lengths. And uh, uh, so we wanted to, you know, kind of give him some confidence and put him in a race that we thought. Um, he'd have a better chance at so we we there was a uh, optional allowance race that he was eligible for so we we stuck him in there with only five horses in there the problem was the other four horses had 55 wins between them <laughs> yeah. Boy, we, were, we were jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire here but when they run the race it was six furlongs like the the Budweiser's going to be and he just run right by everybody like they were they weren't even there so we thought now we well we better try the governors he's sharp now and and of course you know guys know how the story unfolded but uh yeah he was he's been an absolute wonderful surprise to for everybody in the barn and uh and everybody involved at the craigs and it's just been it's been an absolutely phenomenal ride it has uh, and certainly hope it continues yeah uh you know he going sprint distances or routes. I mean, Tom Wenzel's always used the phrase, he tries so hard. Well, let's face it, his ability level is pretty high also, but to get that competitiveness and, you know, the will to uh, pass what's in front of him and just really work hard. He's a hard worker and with a lot of ability that uh, that's got him to where he is. 
And, you know, just one other thing on the operation, K&D Thoroughbreds, uh, I think they're still going to have some uh, yearlings at the sale. And they did so well last summer with those mares that Carl had, you know, bred himself and developed. And, uh, boy, they had some nice sales last year. And, and uh, last I heard, there was going to be a, a few this year as well. Is that true, Roy? That's true. We have, we actually will have four in Cross my fingers. Four in the sale. They're all at Mary Lou's right now. We have um, two. Uh, we have a Colt and a Philly by. Uh, um, um, well, you got Carl's mares and Carl and Darlene Lovemaker, Ross's girl, Lady Rossberg. They're horses from those mares. Right. And so um, we had a unstarted mare that uh, we bred to postcard, and that's a. Uh, Colt, he'll be in the sale. Um, Lady Rothberg had we bred her to Vronsky. That Colt will be in the sale. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the That's name. okay. The Stormcat Colt down in California. We bred both Lovemaker and uh, uh, Smiling Tiger. There you go. Okay. So Lovemaker and, Smi- and Ross's girl both have uh, Smiling Tiger. Lovemaker's got a uh, Philly, and uh, Ross's girl has a Colt Noble being the sale. Very good. Yeah, they did really well last year um, with the sales prices from production from those great families that have produced so much and Washington champions. And Roy Brewer joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. He is part of that ownership group, Slew's Crew Racing. Slew's Tiz Wiz, our Washington Horse of the Year, back in action Sunday in the Budweiser in a 12-horse field. That, uh, that's going to get the blood going a little bit, Roy. You're kind of a calm guy, kind of the strong, silent type, but uh, you're going to be churning inside a little bit on Sunday. Oh, I'm sure. You know what? I wasn't real nervous during the mile. I, hmm. But, boy, now you you know, now that it's yours, yeah, your mom's handed me the keys to the Porsche, I'm kind of your name. <laughs> a little more anxious. I guess his, the, uh, Tammy's a lot more anxious. So. <laughs> Very good. Well, but it's, it, this is why we do this. It's a lot of fun, and and uh, um, we've you know enjoyed all the years with the Craigs, and now we get a shot to carry carry the name on even further, even though Carl's not here. So, um, yeah. And I know Darlene will be at home watching, and and oh, when we didn't mention that uh, for this year to honor the Craigs, we we're going to run slew in uh, Darlene's colors for the entire year for every race he's in this year. That's great. Oh, okay, it's an outstanding story, and the uh, story continues this weekend at Emerald Downs. It's lose Tiz Wiz for a start of the year. Roy, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you, you very much, and we'll see you at the races. Roy Brewer joining us, and Slew's Tiz Wiz back in action. Um he looks probably like he'll be the morning line favorite in there. I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it's hard to go against the Malware, but he's certainly not going to be uh, any prohibitive pick in there. There's there's a lot of different ways handicappers can go. And, and you know, of course, it's first out of the year. Some of them might have a little bit of a fitness edge, even though, he, as Roy stated, he's working exceptionally well. So, But it's going to be a great race. So I'm really looking forward to the, the Budweiser. So 12 horses in the Budweiser, uh, you know, I'm sure... More than one of those will be in the field for the Long Acres Mile coming up in August. Uh, and uh, looking at the mile a little ahead, it's August 13th this year. 
there is a uh, California bred that's got some pretty strong Washington connections that we could be looking at this year, possibly, or it may be, we don't know for sure. Top yet. Harbor? Yeah. Yeah, there's a race down at uh, Pleasanton, I couple, a couple of weeks, I think it is, or maybe next, I can't remember, but if all goes well, that race then the mile. I saw Gordy uh, back at the Jarnig, one of the owners. By the way, they finished third in the San Juan Capistrano. Yeah. The other day, missed second by a nose. So uh, they're having a good run. But yeah, you know, uh, Tim McCannick calling the shots with Top Harbor. And then uh, we hear background uh, maybe coming back. Yeah. He's had two good title. races in a row there in the Midwest, uh, you know, showing that tactical speed. And uh, they're, yeah, they're. Looking at uh, looking at the race again, Top Harbor by Harbor the Gold out of Reba is tops. The all-time leading Emerald Down sire and stakes sire. And, of course, Reba is tops, a state champion. She has been an outstanding broodmare. This is her best uh, son or, or filly. Well, a man's man who drew the 10-hole on Sunday is a seven-year-old mucho macho man, gelding, owned by Howard Hammer's Rama Racing. Last year was 7 for 13, 169,000. The horses uh, 3 for 4 on dirt, including a win in the 1 and 1 eighth mile Bulldog last year with a 91 buyer going wire to wire. The only question, guys, with this one, I only see, okay, uh, the horse hasn't raced since December 10th at Golden Gate, and he worked uh, bullet work at uh, Turf Paradise April 3rd, then worked at Emerald Downs on May 7th, and then worked at Emerald Downs on June Hmm. So that's kind of a light work tab for a horse uh, coming into the Budweiser on Sunday. But certainly based off of last year's uh, numbers, uh, he would be one to watch too. Yeah, that's a heck of a record. So a couple of few first-time Emerald Downs runners in that Budweiser and a good group of fillies and mares in the Hastings. Good racing on Sunday at Emerald Downs. Racing Friday night at 7, Saturday and Sunday at 2 grandparents race on sunday as well all right uh let's take a short time out we'll come back with uh more talk we talk here on horse racing northwest buckle shoe yes, yes. yes it doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from what you do is all at Muckleshoot Casino. Let the spinning wheel go round and the night go on. Moments you'll never forget. You're always going to have fun. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest continues our final segment here from Emerald Downs. Joe Withy, Vince Brune, Bill Downs here. Thanks to Roy Brewer for joining us, and uh, we're going to continue those stakes races with some great fields. We've talked about those. Um, let's go on to our sports short segments. Uh, Vince, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So, you know, I, I was reading this story somehow uh, about, remember when the Racing Times came around in 1991, was mm -hmm. going to take on the daily racing form and it, it lasted for about a year bunch of accomplished people in there in that group yeah and and so i was reading the comments after it and somehow the 1978 belmont came up i don't know if you guys ever met jack wilson he was i didn't meet him but i know sensational of him. chart color real affable fella and i i was always of the opinion you know that they 
Chick Anderson says, and Eliodar's got a head in front, right? That he never got in front, okay? So Jack's chart footnotes for 78 Belmont stakes noted that Eliodar reached almost equal terms with the firm nearing the 316th pole. That's what all he said was reached almost equal terms. When DRF editor Fred Grossman read the chart in the office, DRF offices in Hightown, New Jersey, he called Wilson on the Belmont Park press box, told him that race caller Chick Anderson had said that Elidar got ahead in front in the stretch and instructed Jack to change his chart to reflect Anderson's call. Jack responded, Elidar never got ahead in front, and if you change my footnotes, I quit. The chart stayed as is. So I asked John White what he thought about it, and uh, John says, I watched that race in this, he emailed back, I watched that race in the steward stand at Long Acres. I was so confident that a firm was going to win that I was offering people at Long Acres 10 to 1 odds head-to-head -head if they wanted to bet Alidar. Not only did I think Affirmed was better, it was my opinion that Ferreira Lasbera could win a Belmont with Bull Forbes, who had no business winning a one-and-a-half-mile race. Ferreira was a cinch to win the Belmont with Alidar, with Affirm. Says, anyway, I was going to lose a fair amount if Alidar won. He said, Jack Wilson was probably the greatest chart caller of all time. That is such a tricky angle at Belmont. Watching the replay all these years later, I can't say 100% either way. It's so close. I think Aladar maybe barely got a very slight lead for only a split second, but I have enough respect for Jack Wilson because that he was so adamant and called so many races there. I'd say he was probably right that Aladar never got ahead in front. Anyhow, I always, it's not a big deal, but I always kind of was that. I've watched the race a million times like everyone else, and when Chick Anderson, who was a great race caller, says Alidar's got a lead, I didn't think so. Hmm. So okay, all right. Two things: is that the three sixteenths? Is that the uh, the chart a point of call in the chart or not? Yes, it, it, well, it didn't. In, no, it no, was. No, it shouldn't it's, be. It's, it's eighth it's, pole. It's and the eighth right. pole. Yeah, right. So in essence, Alidar could have had a lead, had the head in front, and it would. It might not have mattered in the chart because no. at that, that point, you're right. Firm got yeah. the lead back. You're right, but I don't think he ever did get the lead okay. at any point in the race, and that's my contention. But others may disagree with me. So. Yeah, and then in fact, know, I think most do. As a track announcer, you're just tr you're describing what you see, and you know you're making a judgment call, but you're almost at the same part of the the track that the chart caller is at and it's just one person's opinion everyone thinks that these that the chart callers are this you know and rarefied perfect air entity. perfect entity and they're not they're yeah. calling the they're calling the margins and they're calling the margins that go two by three three by yeah. five and by the time they get back they're already a 16th yeah. of a mile you know so they're 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 taking a picture in their head yeah. and trying to rattle off everything. So and that and that was before you had all the replays where you could stop the TV and do the calls and all that. So, but I will say Jack Wilson was, as John said, extremely accurate. So yeah, it's not like Chick Anderson didn't call a lot of races at Belmont. No, that's Park. right, he did. So he knew yeah, the lay he, of the and, land and, there too, and he called it pretty confidently too. So you know, it's one of those things where. Okay, that might have been. You know, I I knew it was super close, and yeah. I never argued one way or the other because, as Bill's saying, it's it's not a big thing in between calls. It's that close. But I watched that race at Churchill Downs. Did you on TV? Of oh, course. that's right. You were going around I was the country selling those slam dunk rims, and I I was at the Belmont at Churchill. At did you get to watch it live? Back then, that wasn't you know. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, they they would. It was on live on network TV. Sure, I think ABC then. Yeah, but I would have. I was at. Long, well, no, I'm glad I wasn't at Long Acres because I would have taken that ten to one. That that would be a good price on. Alan I was R. at Long Acres that day, and they showed a 
well, I I had watched the race at home, and then I zipped down the highway to catch the last couple of races down the 405. Yeah, but uh, th- they showed the replay later on in the day at Long Acres when I got there. So it would have been shown live. I'm I don't sure. know if it was or yeah. not. Yeah, it was. You that's, know, that was that's pretty far back there. It, well, the ruffian. I think the ruffian foolish, foolish pleasure match race was live. Okay. I'm, I'm well, they might have just replayed it again. That was on network TV. Yeah. They could show network TV live. Yeah. Okay. There's a sports short, Triple Crown history. And uh, I'm going to talk about last week's U.S. Open, that these uh, pro golfers are just being pampered beyond belief. So Rory McIlroy hits his wedge shot on 14, par 5, his third shot, and it it goes away. It disappears. And, uh, I mean, truthfully, the announcer said, well, there's his ball in the trap. But that turned out to be Scotty Scheffler. So they're looking for the ball on this facing of the bunker, the sand goes to a certain point, and then there's about uh, close to two feet of real thick, gnarly grass. Well, his ball went right into there. So he hit it there. He hit it into thick grass, gnarly grass. That's all over the course at the U.S. Open, all over the place. Well, he called it an embedded ball. He wanted, you know, the golfer's going to plead for his best ruling. And the rules official came over. And I thought it was kind of funny she didn't get down into the sand trap and look real closely. She did lay down and stick her head over the edge and got a pretty close look. But Rory pulled the ball out and, you know, they're talking, of course. Okay, I'm going to take the ball out, identify it. Yeah, that's my ball. Well, he got a drop out of there, which, believe me, in my circles... My buddies wouldn't have given me a drop. I wouldn't have given them a drop because an embedded ball usually is in wet ground. And it was nice days all week. Plus, you don't water a lot around sand traps because the water will run down and create these deltas and rifts in the sand. Mm -hmm. So this area had to be dry. It was gnarly grass, just like so many other areas in the U.S. Open. And besides that, a ball when it goes into thick, gnarly grass, isn't going to bounce as much as it would. It's going to stop. Yeah, it's just going to stop it. So embedded, no. He just hit it into a bad spot. He got a drop. It probably saved him a stroke. You know, he got a free drop out of there. And I just call bull on that, that uh, these players are just getting too many breaks off he hit it in a bad spot and he got, got i know away. you're a by the book player joe you oh, would you yeah. wouldn't have dreamed of asking I, for something like I that i couldn't i couldn't believe that one but and i don't have anything against rory mcelroy so uh, anyway they play a different rules than we do apparently bill well your seattle mariners update uh, mariners are 35 and 37 last homestand they were uh, four and two against miami and the the go-go white Sox, but They've had no real luck against the Yankees. Uh, can't they, score. They can't score. I had Kirby and Castillo both going. Castillo wasn't his best, and they lost uh, three to one uh, on Tuesday and four to two on Wednesday. They play probably while this is getting posted. They're probably playing uh, the Yankees. They got the rookie Brian Wu. I looked at the uh, odds, 
And I was expecting, you know, Yankees minus 170 or something like that because, you know, the Mariners can't hit the ball. doesn't seem like they can do anything. But they're actually a slight favorite with the rookie, Brian Wu. Today? Yeah. So, you know, by the time you you hear this, uh, see if the Mariners did well. And then they play Baltimore over the weekend. And Baltimore is pretty darn good as well. And they got Logan Gilbert on 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 the bump on on Friday uh, afternoon slash evening, depending on where you are in the country. And they're a slight favorite in that game as well. So somehow the Vegas odds makers think the Mariners are not uh, completely dead yet, but uh, they got to get this. They got to get this turned around. We're now halfway know, through it, almost almost halfway through the uh, season, and and you know the Mariners bats besides uh, Kalanick. And, you know, Teoscar's gotten a hit, has gotten a hot lately, but it's still the same, the same problems. They, they want to just, you know, ride the wave with what the guys they got, but, uh, you know, slowly but surely the season is starting to, uh, inch away because the schedule is not as advantageous, advantageous as it once was, uh, last year when they were in September, they're playing the little sisters of the poor in terms of uh, the standings. They don't have that, uh, that luxury this year, but, uh, and then uh, next week they play at home against uh, Washington on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm going to do the, the Seattle Mariners, Tacoma Rainiers double header. You are? Uh, Yes. Because I'm uh, stationed uh, in Tacoma for the next few weeks. So I'm going to do that double header on uh, Wednesday uh, of next week. And I'll have a full report here in my sports short on horse racing Northwest. Bill, Bill's a good baseball man, huh, Vince? Oh boy, yeah, he likes and knows his stuff. And uh, uh, I was surprised the Mariners were favored yesterday. Now maybe Castillo's that good or something, but I was. I looked at the odds afterwards. I go, they're not hitting. Yeah. Why are they favored on yeah. the road like this? It's all starting pitching, you know. But yeah. they just don't win. Remember, Vince brought up the stat last week that the Mariners have a losing record with. Uh, uh, whenever Castillo starts, and you win big think, time losing yeah. record, two and eight in his last ten starts. Yeah, I mean that's unbelievable for a guy for who a pitches guy. well. Yeah, he didn't pitch that well yesterday, but uh, um, you know they had they definitely had the advantage pitching wise because Cole for the Yankees was against uh, against Kirby. That was a heck of a, a pitching matchup, and you know the Yankees don't have Judge either right now, and this is the mm, time to hit them. And they're they, you know unless they find a way to win this game today. Uh, on Thursday, uh, you know, they'll get swept out of uh, the Big Apple. Okay. There's some sports shorts. Let's go to selections. Uh, I'm going to look at the sixth race tomorrow at Emerald Downs, Friday night. It's a six furlong sprint for Phillies and Mares, three and up. Several horses are coming off uh, real good races. Some of them have run against each other. And I think heat-seeking heat Lita is a live price horse in there. She's number seven of eight. Queen Breezy's in there with her two wins at the meet. Uh, but uh, heat-seeking Lita has outrun Queen Breezy. She had a pretty useful uh, prep, ran fourth, got right into it at the eighth pole, maybe weakened just a little bit. But again, her previous races at Emerald Downs, she ran here a couple times last year. Those were good efforts, very good efforts. She has a good record on synthetic. She's a sprinter. Second off, a uh, brief layoff for heat-seeking Lita, Lita from trainer Sam Dronan. Kevin Orozco is up. So there's a 12-to-1 uh, price angle there. Fellas, or Bill? Yep. Fourth race on Friday, the okay. five. I didn't see that coming for Bonnie Jenny. Jenny not known for long layoff horses. I think uh, she's like one for 18 or something like that. Uh, I didn't see that coming. Uh, ran off the long layoff. 
and is dropping down and claiming price from 15 down to eight. And the race that uh, he comes out of, uh, a view from above, set, you know, very average fractions for that class level and went from gate to wire in front. Just think it's a much easier field overall. I think it makes sense, the drop. On top of that, you get a couple of really fast horses in the race, Sakias and Party Foul, the three and six. So I didn't see that coming. Likes to be like a stalker type of horse. I think um, second race off the layoff fitness level will be better. I think he gets a better pace shape uh, in this race, even though it's just five and a half furlongs. He doesn't have a win at five and a half furlongs, but I, I, I like a lot of things and the price will be right as well. I think Vince has him at uh, 12 to one or something wow. like that. Okay. Uh, so I didn't see that coming in the fourth. And I'll make mention of the horse in the fifth race on Friday, Provost. Uh, we uh, we made mention of impressive winners on previous Horse Racing Northwest podcasts. And we mentioned uh, Provost off of that win on June the 9th. I said, there's no way that this horse is not getting a serious class rise off of that win. And lo and behold, he goes uh, from 10,000 into 25,000 mm. on Friday night. Um, so I figure I mentioned Provost as well in the fifth race on Friday. Okay. And he still looks pretty live in there despite that class jump with that excellent current form. Justin Evans trainee, Carlos Montalvo. All right. There's some selections. And uh, Vince is holding off, of course, because he's doing the morning line. Let's go to our trivia from last week. Name the leader in Emerald Downs races one among active horses. Who's got the most wins that's still racing? And I didn't get any correct submissions on that. Our media guide has uh, a great list of the all-time winners. We mentioned last week that Mike Mans Gold, uh, West Seattle Boy, Wine at Nine, uh, recently retired two of those three. It's Pistol Power with wow. 11 wins, fellas. Right. Yeah, Pistol Power has 11 wins, and he's the leader among active horses at Emerald Downs, and he is in this week, too. Right. Yeah. And he is just running great for Jesse Velasquez. Okay, no winners last week in trivia. This week, send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Other than the Long Acres Mile, when was the most recent 12-horse field for an Emerald Downs stakes race? The most recent 12-horse field for an Emerald Downs stakes race other than Long Acres Miles, which there's been several of those in recent years. So send your uh, guesses, your thoughts, your picks to Emerald uh, trivia at emeralddowns.com. Okay, fellas, thanks to Roy Brewer as well for joining us. And on to racing this weekend at Emerald Downs. This is Horse Racing Northwest. <laughs>